So I just want to announce real quick before we go down, if you are new, if this is your first, second, or third time, or you've never met a minister here, the room that David Clay just passed by, room 201 right here, because we don't have a large lobby, we have to do it in, in the room over here, is our VIP room. We would like to get to know you. Mandy and Mario Caliguri are so faithful to minister in that room. So if you would, please, just uh, during the altar call, you'll see that they're going to open that door. Before you leave, we just want to be able to make a connection with you. Also, if you don't like personal connection, if you'll scan the QR code on a pew in front of you, that will allow us to know that you were here and um, that we want to get to meet you. You're not just a number. We want to connect with you. That's important. Also, we have decided to open up the baptistry every service because we have been uh, scheduling people to be baptized. And last Sunday, I think we scheduled one. There was one on the schedule, and I think five, seven, seven people decided to get baptized. And so during the message, if it hits you and you're like, I, I can't wait any longer. I, I mean, I may not touch on baptism today, but you've been hearing about it, and you know that you need the blood of Jesus. You need the name of Jesus over you, washing away your sins and creating a new you, raising you to newness of life. Amen? And if that hits you today, just know that I've got a big tank of water back here that is warm, and we've got robes, and if you say, I need to be baptized, there'll be an altar call at the end, and you just say, hey, I need to get baptized. And if we see some people walk into this room, we're knowing that you need to be baptized. Come find us, find somebody, TJ, uh, Crystal Loft, and find them, and uh, we'll be available to baptize you today. We've got a minister ready to go. And uh, we will get you baptized in the name of Jesus. If you've been baptized in the last uh, five months, why don't you just stand and wave your hand and show everybody. Just be proud. In the last five months, you've been baptized. Six months. Amen. Thank you for some lives being changed. Amen. All right. We do have prayer tonight. Prayer tonight at 6 o'clock. Also, one other thing I'd like to mention is if you have been baptized recently, we need you to go out to that outside desk in the foyer and pick up those certificates. We want you to have that. Okay. I would love for you to pray for me. I want to do the prayer today if I can. You can do that. So, Lord, I thank you so much for this man of God. I thank you for the word that you have already given to him. And I ask in Jesus' name that it would come through his lips the way that you have put it in his heart we bind the enemy in the name of Jesus, and this place gives no room for the devil. So we open our hearts to receive every word that is coming from you through the pastor that you have placed in our lives. And Lord, I declare what your word says. Your word does not return void. It shall accomplish Amen. The work that you have called for it to do yes. in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, whether you believe it or not, my wife, uh, and she does not call me Pastor Jeremy at the house. <laughs> I do not introduce myself as Pastor Jeremy to anyone. If you've met me, some of you met me for the first time today. And I said, hey, how's it going? Good to have you here today. What's your name? My name's Becky. Hi, I'm Jeremy. All right. Because I am a man... Trying, trying, because nobody has arrived. I, I am a man that is trying to get closer to God. I am grateful that I have a bunch of friends here and family that you're in the same boat with me. We are trying to get closer to God. I am no more than you, and I'm telling you, we love you very much. You are my brother, you're my sister, and we believe that, song, that old song, so take me by the hand. Together we will make it. We're going to make it. So if you have felt hopeless, if you've had a bad week, 
Get ready to be energized. Get ready to be motivated. And in turn, you will be inspired and you will have inspiration on the inside. And you will take this message today. It is my prayer and my hope that you will walk out of here inspired to be the, the me that you, God called you to be. Amen? Can anybody give me a hand and say, I'm excited, I'm ready. I just need to know you're out there. All right. Yeah, somebody said, send it. We will send it. We are about to send it. Makes me think about baseball. Man, I miss baseball. And I miss my, my youngest son. Both our boys played. And uh, our youngest son graduated from high school, and he was the leadoff batter for Rusk Varsity Baseball. And he gave us a great show, and we got to see a lot of hard hits and excitement, and we've jumped up and out of our chair so many times. Travis and Vicki Edwards, I think about y'all, your, your boys playing ball. But it comes to an end eventually, and you're like, it's almost, it's kind of a letdown. You're like, oh, man, springtime's here. And, uh, no nacho cheese, no french fries, no, no, chili, fr no chili cheese. I mean, th there's, there's something else that comes along with baseball. And I miss watching and cheering on our boys out on that field. And I'll tell you what. Be careful that you don't wrap yourself up too much in your children and you make sure that you are wrapped up in God, number one, and your wife and your spouse, number one, number two, excuse me, number one, God, number two, you and your spouse together. And that's got to be the thing that you rely on and, and, and think about more than anything because all those things of the world and the, the sports and the, and the thrills, they all come to an end. And then what are we going to do? Are we going to sit home and cry and pout? No. I mean, it frees me up now to do more things for the Lord, and I'm excited about that. We love you. We are going to a conference. We're going to leave tonight, and we're going to be gone like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think, somewhere in Arizona. Phoenix. Oh, wow. We're going to Phoenix. I didn't book any of this. I'm just I'm driving to the airport to, tomorrow, and um, I'm kind of along for the ride till we get there. But I'm telling you, we, it's, not, it's not really going to be a, a vacation, but it's going to be a time where we can be more energized and have somebody preaching to me and doing this right here to me because I need it. I need it. All right, why don't we uh, pray real quick. I love to start every message off with a prayer, and I know my wife prayed, but I'd like to just say one more prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, just bless my mind to speak your words. Help people to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. All right, I want to briefly go back. Something that I missed, I want to tell you real quick that we did meet with uh, some engineers. Went to Longview, and uh, that was Friday afternoon at 1.30, and we walk into a, a room, a conference room, and this gentleman walks in, then another gentleman walks in, then another gentleman walks in, and I had Davey and Melissa Trawick uh, with us and it's a big conference table and it's very professional and there's a big screen TV and there's technical things and I'll be honest we might have felt a little bit out of place and we have said this before with the growth of the church and what's happening we kind of say well we're kind of over our heads that's okay because I know a Jesus I know a man I know a God I have that relationship with one who can cause me to, when I'm over my head, to pull me up and help me to walk on the water. And so we met with those men, and we heard terms like dream casting and master plan. And I'm like, man, this sounds a lot like church. 
this sounds a lot like what we're preaching. This sounds a lot like what I've been reading. There needs to be a master plan. And so I will tell you what. When you are involved with this, this ministry in this church, just know that your giving is going to forward a lot of things here at Covenant Church. As we grow, we need facilities. And um, we have been looking now at this acreage over here to our north. It's 14 acres. And uh, I believe that God is going to make a way where there's seemingly no way. Because when you hear an engineer and an architect tell you, well, this number and that number and that million and that million. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whole time out. We just built, we're almost through with this 90 by 50 building. But we're talking about like thousands of square feet. And he said, well, you're likely going to need to go to two, probably three services before we get this finished. Because you're, he said, I'm looking at your numbers that you keep and the, the rate of growth at Covenant Church. And he said, just make sure that you have a good support and make sure that you have good people that are with you in this. And so do I have anybody in here that's with me? Are y'all with me? Listen, not with me. Are, are we? I'm with God. I can't do this on my own. I, my wife and I, we cannot do this on our own. We have been taxed to the max in the last two weeks. I'm telling you, we have faced so much stuff. And I have, you know, it's, it's funny to me now because people say, well, you're a firefighter. You're putting out real fires and you're putting out other fires. And I literally for the last two weeks have been putting out spiritual fires. I'm like, just... Making things right, making things right, and, and, and patching this up, and patching this up. And I know it's an attack from the devil because the devil knows that what's going on here. When you baptize 24 people in one service that wasn't even planned, when you have a revival service and people were coming to you and saying, man, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just I feel different in my heart. I didn't just come to a church service and walk out, and I didn't just do church today. I actually had a life change. Something happened in my heart. Something happened up in this brain that wasn't working when I walked in. I'm telling you, men... We can be so stubborn that we only come to the house of God simply because our wife has been nag, 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 nagging all week long. And we're like, man, if I could just get her off my back, I know how I can get her off my back. I'll go to church. I'll even take her out to Posados later and get her favorite enchilada dinner. And I should be good for a few days, a few weeks. We should be good. You know, we kind of get our church reset button. Just, No. Our goal, our prayer is that you do not have a relationship with the church building, the church house. You need to have a relationship with God. I look forward to going home to my wife. I look forward to embracing my wife. I look forward to talking to my wife. I text her. I call her. We have a relationship. So when you just stop in sometimes to church, when you just come home every once in a while, when if there was a relationship here where she said, I don't know if he's coming home tonight or not. He might be here this week. He might be gone. I don't even know because we don't talk. And I don't know why I'm getting on this because it's not even in these notes. We are happy. We are strong. You need to be happy. You need to be strong. This 
You need to plug into God. You need to have a relationship that is so strong. It's not like, oh, I wonder if, no. You're on board. You're full throttle. And if you don't know what 122 miles an hour is, just know that it's time for you to reach terminal velocity. It's time for you to get all the way where you can't go any faster. You are fully on board, 122 miles an hour. In Jesus' name. If you don't know about that, I'm not getting to that. Go ask somebody. If you've got your Bibles, I need you to turn to 1 Kings. My goodness, got seven minutes into this thing and hadn't even got into these notes. I promise you I'm going to be brief. I have been doing this long enough now to where I can speed up. I can get on the gas pedal when I need to and I can get on the brake pedal when I need to. And so if we feel like we need to get on the brake pedal for a second, we're just going to dwell there for a minute, and we're going to help somebody because somebody may need to hear something. You're like, ah, move on, Pastor, move on, move on. Go to the next point. Go to point three because I know you got five points. When we get to point five, I'm out of here. No, somebody might need to hear something a little bit longer. So it's not all about me. I didn't come to church here just for me. I came for you. I came here to be here for you, and I know that you're here for your brother, your sister. We didn't even do it yet, but why don't you turn to somebody and tell them you look beautiful, you look handsome. You need to do that. All right, 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to read 1 Kings 18 verses 1 through 4. And then I'm going to skip to chapter 19. And we're going to read about nine verses there. 1 Kings 18. We got four verses here. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. I'm, it's amazing to me how God has led us to be preaching and involving Elijah in our sermons for like the last three Sundays. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. Another version may say that he feared the Lord. He was serious about his relationship with the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, fifty in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Turn over to chapter 19 now, and we're going to read nine verses here. And if you don't know what's in between those two passages, I will tell you that there was an amazing move of God and Elijah called down fire from heaven and it lapped up the sacrifice, the wood, it even burned up the rocks, it burned up the water that was poured all around it. And what the enemy was going to try to prove a point and say, your God is not as strong as our God. And he pretty much come in there and sit with the uh, smack, smack down on their God, they don't, it's the little g. And the big God came in and fire rained from heaven and it was an amazing thing. And all of the prophets that thought they were somebody ended up being killed. 19 verse 1. Now Ahab and Jezebel. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods little g, deal with me, be it ever so, it's on, think about that, I think she even realized that her gods were little g gods, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them, she's basically promising, look, 
I promise to God. Is what she's, this is a different way to say this. Let's read this again. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. This is what she said in our East Texas language. She said, I promise to God I'm going to kill you. I promise. Oh, ooh. I promise to God. I promise, oh, I promise to God. Have y'all ever said that? Have, you didn't said it to your wife or your husband lately, I, I hope. So this is what Elijah's response. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. A man of God called fire from heaven and Old Jez puts the fear of God in him. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Don't leave your help. If you're scared, don't run off and leave your buddy. I know there's an old joke that says if a, a bear is chasing you and your buddy through the woods, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than your friend. So he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Man, this is bad times. And I realize that there's somebody here today that you may have actually had this thought in your head in the last week or two. And you thought, Lord, I can't handle it. Just help. I just wish I could die and get away from this situation. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. I'm telling you, if I wake up and an angel has come to me and tapped me on the shoulder and scares me and wakes up and I said, wow, and there's, there's cake and, and how did this get here? I'm probably not going to just eat it and go right back to sleep. Some of us need to realize that when miracles happen in your life, wake up. Wake up. I prayed. I sought God. I need God. I need him to work in this situation. He works. He moves. Situations change. Things are better. Ah, uh, let's go back to sleep. Get up and eat. He, and so he found this. And so verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second, a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you so he got up and ate and he drank strengthened by that food he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb so I know we're in a fast right now the Daniel fast 21 days wow I don't think we have it as tough as Elijah did so the next time we're like I don't know if I can make it I mean I gotta wait till this afternoon I'm gonna have beans again no this man this man ate and went 40 days and 40 nights on the sustenance of the Lord. I don't believe it was just food. You don't need just food. You need some food. Amen? So he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Everybody say he went in a cave. He camped out. He took up shop. He was in the cave. Today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on a title of Don't Hide Out, Get Out. Don't hide out. Don't sneak off in this cave and hide out. It is time that we get out. And I believe I'm looking at some people. Many of you are already out of your cave that you snuck into. 
the devil forced you into. Elijah was running. He was scared. And so many times people end up and animals end up and people end up in a cave because of being chased. Anybody like to watch? I know a man right now that I could call his name and I'm going to because he will, he will relate to me. Brother Gary Dominey, would you raise your hand please, sir? We like to watch some old black and white westerns. And I know there's others in here. And I've seen those old black and white westerns and they're running and they're chasing and somehow or another the shootout scene a lot of times ends up up in the hills and there's a man getting backed up, backed up. He's scared, he's running and he's in the cave and that's a bad spot to be because most caves that I've seen, I know there's some that can get out another way but you probably don't want to go that route but most of them, you got to go out the way you came in. So you better not shoot all your clips and your ammo. You better have some something left there to get out of that cave. Amen? When you're on the run, you'll go and you'll go anywhere for relief. So when you look at verse 9, he, he went in. He moved in. He set up camp. He went to a cave. It's, it's natural for us to want to hide in that cave. And there's nothing really particularly, uh, to me, enticing about a cave. I don't look at a cave and feel like, hey, I would like to go in there. I get a little nervous. I'm a man. Uh, I can handle the dark. And men, you can probably relate to me. No moon, or they call it a new moon. Dark night. Silent, because it's really, really cold. And you're going to your deer stand, and you park your four-wheeler. But you're like, I don't want to drive all the way to the deer stand, so I'm going to park my four-wheeler, and I'm going to go on about a two to three to four, how many hundred-yard walk through, just to walk through the woods. But every step, sometimes, you're, especially when it's real cold, you're like, hmm. You're like, man, alive. I feel like something's watching me. Is there a hog or is there, is there an animal? And uh, we can get a little nervous in the darkness. I've always handled that okay, but there have been some moments out in the woods, and man, you probably, and it's the craziest thing. A limb may fall off, and you're on your way to your stand, and it just falls off, and it's perfectly silent, and all of a sudden, you're fine, you're fine. This, whoa. You're like racking one in your rifle. And you're out there by yourself. But you will talk to yourself and you'll say, I'm not out here by myself. There's somebody. Somebody got out at my truck and they followed me in here. I'll be brief. I went. I was out in the woods. on a dark. It was so dark. I remember that morning I put my hand in front of my face and shut my eyes and went like this. I mean, I, I put my hand in front of my face, opened my eyes, and I went... Man, it is so, I cannot even see a shadow. It was so dark. Put my rifle down, settled in, and I heard, if you want to know what it sounds like, go to YouTube when you get off out of here today and look up Mountain Lion Scream. I heard it. God is my witness. And you think, no, you, you heard that in Alto? I did hear that. And it sounds like a woman screaming. If you don't know, it's like, I mean, I can't do it. It's, it's, I tell you, it'll scare you to death. And I heard it, and all I could do was go, oh. And I'm like, I'm fixing to hear people saying, get the shovels, bury the body. Where'd you park the car? I can't believe you shot her. I'm expecting to hear that because I'm telling you, I thought I was hearing a woman screaming like for her life. And then it just stopped. And it's like, okay, now I just need to just relax and 
go hunting. <laughs> the darkness, here's where we get in trouble. When the darkness doesn't scare you. I'm talking about a sinful lifestyle and just going into darkness and just dabbling in and dwelling in and just being where, cave, no big deal. I know there's probably a predator in there. Snakes, it's dark, it's cold, it's damp. There's danger. Things could fall on my head. And believe it or not, there are men and women who see a cave and they will go in it. And not only do they go in there, but they find little crevices and holes and they, and they crawl down in there and they explore the cave and they get into places so tight that they literally have to lay down and inch. I mean, where they're just pushing with their toes and folding their arms back and just pushing into crevices and cracks. It gets so tight for them that they have to expel the air out of their lungs in between pushes to get thinner. How thin can y'all get when you blow your air out? Maybe a little bit more since we're a week into this fast. So they expel the air and they just... And there's a story that I, I researched and I read about how a, a man was going and going. And he got in there and he, he didn't realize that he was going over a fall. And he went down in there and he fell in head first. But the hole was about as big as his body. And they couldn't get him out. You can look it up. He's in that cave to this day. Rescue teams went. They couldn't pull him out. He got so far into the cave that the rescue teams could not get him out because they just didn't have the, the ability to. Because it was so far down in their head first. You need to be careful. I need to be careful. That we don't get so comfortable with sin. We don't get so comfortable with the darkness and the cave lifestyle. And just get accustomed to that lifestyle of being in a cave. And you know what? I don't have to explain this every time. But as you're in the cave, as you're in that lifestyle, you get comfortable. And you're like, just a little bit further. I'm a thrill seeker. I need that adrenaline rush. I want to get scared. Ooh, I want to get scared. I want to get deep into that cave. And he got himself in a spot where they didn't want anybody else to get there. From then on, so they decided to seal that cave up with concrete. They pumped concrete down in that hole, and his family had to have a ceremony down there of a, basically a funeral, and they buried him in that cave. It's serious business being in a cave. Just as sin entices, so does the cave. Thrill seekers will override common logic Logic that says, don't do that. We went on a trip to Branson, and there was a small little cave close to our house. I saw the entrance, and I looked around on the other side. It, was, it really wasn't even hardly a cave. It was like just a like man-made structure. But it looked like it hadn't been walked in in a while. And I saw the exit, and I went to the exit, and I could see light to the entrance. And as I went in there, I was still like this, like... And I'm, I don't want to get a spider on me. I don't want to get a snake bit. I'm like, man, this is dumb. I'm halfway in here, and I could get snake bit on my vacation. There needs to be a part of you that when sin or the world presents itself to you, there needs to be some hesitation. If there's not, then you need to be at this altar today saying, I need 
the Holy Ghost. I need the Spirit of God that would quicken me and cause me to say, Whoa, hold up, wait a minute. So many people get to the mouth of the cave, and the mouth of the cave can be like sin. It absolutely can just swallow you up. In the text, you, we read that Elijah goes to hide, but in, he, in his mind, he's going to be, he's going to the cave to be safe. Be careful that you're not running to something, and you feel like it's going to make you safe. It's hard to be safe in a place where predators call home. It's hard to be safe in a place where the enemy is waiting on you just to get far enough in there where he can latch onto you, snatch onto you, and hold you in that cave. Because the cave that was going to be a safe place turns into being a prison. It turns into being a trap. And you're going for the treasure. Oh, I'm going for the treasure. I'm going for the for the, the adrenaline rush. I'm going because I'm an adrenaline junkie. I want the thrill. I'm a thrill seeker. I want that. Just know that that treasure you're after Guess what? There's no treasure in the cave. There's a trap in the cave. Elijah was running from his problem. He was afraid to face what put him there. And like I said, most caves have a single entrance. But God is ready for us to face what put us in the cave. And what you, what you may have to do, most likely, you are going to have to face head on what put you in your cave. And it's okay. You need to know that God is with you. He is with you. This church is with you. We want to be here. We want to be a support group and base that we can hold your hand, support you. It's something called Tuesday Night Help Nights. And there is Celebrate Recovery there that is for your hurt, habit, or hang-up. But there's also some parenting classes. There's also some Bible studies. There's a lot of things that you can get involved in. And you need that support group. You need that peer group. Now, there's a big crowd that turns out on Tuesday nights. But there's a big crowd of people that say, I appreciate y'all doing that for other people. I don't need that. But they don't know that there's likely something there that would help them. When you come out of the cave, know that you are going to have to face head on what ran you in to that cave. What you went through, God is ready to use that to pull you out and to set you outside of the cave and let you be victorious in Jesus' name. God is saying to someone today, get out of the cave. Get out of the cave. No more excuses. No more excuses. If you're today with me and you say, I don't want to make excuses anymore. I don't want, I'm, I'm there today. I don't want to make excuses anymore. Let's go now to 1 Kings chapter 19 and read verses. We're going to pick up where we left off. And we're going to read verses 9 through 11. So there he went into the cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Let's think about that for a minute. God is saying to, I believe he's speaking to someone's heart today through, this, through the text and through this message. And he's saying, this is not even who I called you to be. You, you made a vow to me as a young teenager. As a child, you gave your heart to me. You were baptized and you took on the name of Jesus. 
You said, Father, I'll love you. I'll live for you. And there is some ones here today that we have drifted away. We're not there. We're not there anymore. He says, what are you doing here? In my, the way I read it, I say, I look at it and I think that it's like, what, what is up with you? What are you doing here? But also, what is up with you? Elijah, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars. Notice how he's just trying to put a lot of emphasis on and blame on other people. And put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And if we read that, I didn't give them those scriptures, but there was a, a wind that came. Then there was an earthquake that came. And, then, and God was not in this. And then there was fire that came. And God was not in the fire, it says. But then there was a whisper. There was a gentle whisper, the Bible says, or a still, small voice. And what you may expect God to do, you may say, God, I am now turning to you. I want to give my heart to you. I've got a situation. I've got a problem. And you're fully expecting God to come in there and just drop the hammer on your problem. I'm talking about, God, I'm ready. I am ready. I am so fired up. I come out of that service. I am ready to go, God. I need you to make an earthquake happen up there at the state hospital because you know my, my boss. Lord, my marriage, Lord, I'm ready for my marriage to just come back together. Lord, I've been praying and praying. I've been praying now for 24 hours. <laughs> Lord, I said a short prayer. I'm committed to you fully, God, for the last five minutes. I am fully committed to you for the last five minutes. And, Lord, now I need you to have the wind just come through and just blow this house apart and put it all together. Let the fire fall down in my home. And you're expecting these big changes and these big moves of God. And sometimes he's just saying, what are you doing in there? What are you doing? What is up with you, ma'am? Sir, what is up with you? Ma'am, what, 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 what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, we, our kids have something that they say, and it's a joke around the house, and it's, they say, well, if you think about it, and what it is is, when something's really not good, let's just say I cook a meal for everyone here. And everyone that's in here is eating it, and you're like, this stinks. I don't want to say nothing because he's a pastor of the church, and he's my friend, and we've been friends a long time. But I'm telling you what, these steaks that he cooked up for everybody are rotten. As you're eating it, trying to make me feel better, you say, well, I mean, if you think about it, it's really not that bad. Uh, I mean, if, if you think about it. If you have to, in your life, that you are, you're living for God. You're a Christian. I go to church. I give of my tithes and my offering. I give of my talent. I give of my treasure. And I'm not happy. And my life is hell. And you're doing all these things, and you're having to say, while you're being a Christian, while you are a Christian, you have to say, well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, we, we, 
We do go out to eat. We do have, we take trips. Our marriage is junk. But if you think about it, we do every once in a while we have some, well, you know, if you think about it, if you're having to think about it a lot, if you're having to think about your relationship with your spouse, if you're having to think about your relationship with your friends, your, your children, if you're having to think about many things that this could be, I believe God's calling to somebody more, to something more today than just having a lifestyle and a mentality of, I really have to think about it. I have to make myself like something. God did not call us to be living for him, serving him in the kingdom of God, and us to be just, oh, man, it's a burden. It, this is just, I mean, come on. I mean, 21-day fast. Um, I don't even, I read my Bible. I can read my Bible and not even understand what I'm reading. I'll make myself read it. There is a moment that happens in a relationship with God, and I thank God and I praise God that it happened with me, where I, and I pray this, and I'm a firm believer in praying and speaking what you need before it happens. And I literally said, Lord, help me to love you. Lord, help me to be inspired by you. Lord, put a fire in me that would cause me to want to. Because let me be honest, let me confess to you now. I will say there have been times when I have cracked open this book and I might as well have been reading a brick wall. Uh, with I mean, that's just, I don't even know how to put that into words, but I mean, I'm telling you, I've, I've been bored by the Word of God before. I have been bored with going to church. I have been bored and aggravated that I had, that I had to go to church. I've been in a place where somebody is probably today where you're like, this is ridiculous. I'm not, I don't even feel it. I don't feel it. I'm there, I don't even, this is not for me, but I'm here. Uh, if you think about it, they got good coffee. Uh, if you think about it, the praise and worship team, it's kind of like a, a concert that I went to last weekend, and they were really on point today, and I kind of like the music. So if you think about it, it's not that bad of a church. It's not that bad of an experience. Don't come here for this music. Don't come here for this coffee. you got to get past all that, and you got to quit saying, I think about it, think about it. No, you need to be thinking Oh, man, there is something that we do know about. In re so read the end of the book, and you know that there is an end to our life. You are living and breathing. But somebody here in this room will be the next person to die. Think about it. There's somebody in this room that you're going to be the next person in this group to die. We don't know who it is. Then there's going to be a second one. If the Lord tarries, I pray that none of us in this room die and we all go up in the rapture. So let's focus on that for a minute. That's going to happen. He is going to call up his church and he's going to call up his spirit. He's going to remove the Holy Ghost. He's going to remove the spirit out of this world. And if that spirit does not abide in you, you ain't going for a flight. You're not going coach, first class, nothing. You're not going to go in some little small plane, no hot air balloon. It's not happening. You're going to go about as high as you can jump. 
So let's don't forget in sermons and, and oh, great sermon, Pastor, great sermon. Thank you. It stirred me up. It stirred me up. Let's don't forget. Let's go back to the basics. We got to make it to heaven. We got to avoid getting thrown into a fiery hell, and we've got to make it to heaven. And what are we going to do? We're going to take as many people with us as humanly possible. That needs to be your lifelong goal. I read a story a long time ago, and a, a man was being interviewed. He was interviewing multiple uh, men and women for this very, very high-paying job. I mean, this is like CEO, multi-million-dollar job. And he says, sir, what is your goal in life? And he's been getting great answers. I mean, there's great answers. When you get up in an upper echelon of uh, hiring committees and different things, you start getting very good analytical thinkers sharp people, Harvard graduates, and there's people in this room right now that you have actually been involved in some interviews where you're like, wow, I thought I was qualified to do this job, but that dude or that girl right there, they are qualified to take my job, my boss's job, and his boss's job and just run this whole company. And he was floored by the man's response, which was exactly what I just said. He said, my goal in life, sir, is to make it to heaven and to take as many people with me as humanly possible. Because this job don't matter. This money doesn't matter. I want to make you successful, and I want to do a good job for this company. But if I can't make it to heaven and take everybody with me that I want to take, it's all for naught. It's all for naught. Amen? We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Stay fired up. So... It was in the, the gentle whisper, and he, he told him, uh, he, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. He went back out to where he came in. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is in uh, verse 13, chapter 19, verse 13. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death. Did we mess up? Are we? Did I just? Are y'all feeling like I, we just read? We just read that. He gave the exact same excuse again. I'm just saying, many of us, myself included, same excuse to God. Same excuse. God says, "I need you. I need you." But God, I've heard your excuse. I heard it the first time, I heard it the third time, I heard it the fifth, sixth, seventh time, and your excuse is like everybody else's excuse. It stinks. It stinks. It does not hold water with God Almighty. It's hard to live for God. It's hard to give of what God has blessed me with. I know He blessed me with so much, and I know y'all had some talks about tithes and offerings and I know you've talked about some sacrificial giving but it's really hard to let go of what I have worked and sweated so hard for I will I want to not to pin any flowers on my back but my wife and I God blessed us this year to give more in this year than there when we first got married than I double when we first got married what we made and I gave that this year and I'm telling you this only to and I'm telling you when she told me the number, I was like, we never felt it. And I was speaking to one of my good friends. He said, I saw my number on that sheet that says how much I had given this year. And he said, 
I felt like I needed to give twice that. He said, I never even felt it. He said, I drive a nice truck. I got a car. I got house. I got food. I got all my needs. And I was still able to do that. And it never even felt it. Here's the, here's the hang up with all of Christian, uh, maybe not all. Huge, huge hang up. Me even saying that right there rubbed somebody just a little bit wrong. Somebody in this room said, oh, you got to look past that. The reason I shared that is to let you know it's such a blessing. And how God blesses me and my family and how God is blessing many others here and how he will bless you, it is unexplainable. And you feel like, oh, well, it needs to be in dollars. I want to see some greenbacks. I need to see the Washingtons rolling in. I need to see the Benjamins. Washingtons, that's dollar bills. <laughs> I want the Benjamins. Come on. But that's what, I, Lord, I want to see the Benjamins. When God says, you know what? How much money would you pay to have a marriage that is on fire? You are so in love and everything that you wanted and you dreamed for in a woman is right there beside you. How much money would you pay for that? Oh, but God, I mean, I gave you $5,000. I expect that you blessed me with about $25,000. And he says, how much money would you pay to see your family, your children living for God teaching downstairs, volunteering, working in the house of God. How much is that worth? And I'm speaking strictly to what we give and what we, in our minds we want to see. We want to, I mean, a typical man, I want to see some results. I want to see instant, re, I want to see a return from my dollar. No names, but there's people in here who are, that's their business. And they're like, if you will invest this amount of money, typically, this number will grow to this number in five years to ten years. And if you'll leave it in there for 50 years or a hundred. God, I hope I live to a hundred. <laughs> typically, you will see this typical response and typical return. God, today, and I know it, it's a testimony in my own life. You will not see typical results. When you give God everything he doesn't give you a percentage. You don't get a typical percentage return on your investment. When you give God everything, he literally gives you everything back. If you don't see it in dollars, you're going to see it in your marriage. If you don't see it in dollars, you're going to see it in your family. This is not a prosperity message. It is not written in these notes. But I'm telling you right now. God is wanting to do some big things and give some big results and some big returns on your investment. This is an investment. I'm reading. I'm reading. I'm taking in this word. This is an investment right here. Forget the dollars. Forget the dollar bills. I don't even have my wallet. I don't even carry a wallet. I, forget pulling out the credit card. Forget texting online. We need that. We got to have that. Guess what? There's a light bill. There's a water bill. There's staff. There's all kind of expenses. There's... Zane Lofton, we pay him to mow the yard. Praise God, Zane mowed the yard this past couple of days. Where are you at, Zane? Thank you so much. We didn't ask Zane to do it for free. I think we paid him like $150 or so. Wow. Some of y'all is like, I want in on that action. <laughs> they got Because uh, we provide the lawnmower, we provide the gas. But nobody, nobody else. No, he's like, no, you don't want on that action. You might want to mow yesterday, but you don't want to do that in July and August. But... This is an investment. This is an investment. 
How many, can I just get, somebody give me an amen or a hallelujah or something and say, I'm not by myself thinking this. There's some uh, senior saints in this house who said, you need to touch on that a little bit more. So I don't know how it worked out today, but you're welcome. I did. He, so he gave him the same excuse. He says the exact same. I mean, it is written down word for word. And put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Why? Sucking his thumb. Big old crybaby. I almost wanted to use a Trump line there. And I don't, I'm not political, but I remember him saying, get him out of here. Get him out of here. Get him out. The Lord said, verse 15, the Lord said to him, go, everybody say, go back. Go back, go back the way you came. You come in this cave, tucking tail and running in here, scared to death, running from old Jez. You got Lodge and you got Jez. And so Lodge is just, just running, scared. God's on my side. God's got my back. Dive in the cave. And just hide. Where is she? I know she, she said she was going to kill me. She literally said, she said, I promise to God I'm going to kill you. I promise to God. I promise to God. And that's a promise. And I'm going to kill you. And he believed her. He said, go back out of the cave. Get your butt out. Of, quit hiding out and get out of the cave and go back the way you came. Go through what brought you in here. Face head on what put you in here. You got an addiction. You got some change. You got some bondage. You got some depression. You got some things in your life. You got some disgust. There's some things that, that have put you in a cave. There are some things that have pushed you back and back and back and back. And you've been backpedaling, backpedaling. And God's saying, I want you to look at what put you in here. Look at it head on and say, depression, I come against you in the name of Jesus. Marital strife, I come against you in the name of Jesus. Chains of bondage, I come against you in the name of Jesus. And quit worrying about God having your back because he's in front of you. In other words, get out of the cave. And we, we complicate it. Play a video for me. It's easy. It's so easy to use Geico.com, a caveman could do it. <laughs> what? Oh, no, I, not cool. I did not no. know you were there. Yes. I didn't know I could change. <laughs> when I look at you out in the audience today, and I really do mean this, I, I, when I say to a man, to a woman, man, I'm telling you, if you could latch on to, if you could get off of your high horse, if you could quit just feeling like I'm a man, I got this. I'm a grown woman, I got this. If you could just kind of come off and let pride take a back seat, and you could say, I am going to give my heart to God in a new, profound way, more than I've ever done in my life. And if you will really latch on to it, for real, for real, okay? For, for real, though. You know, we say that, that. That's our age. We tell our age. Matthew Selden back there, he's like, man, I, don't, I never said that. He's a young buck. So there's some of us, we know the for real, though, term. That's how you got to really give your heart to God in a real, real way. 
And I'm telling you, when you do that, it literally will seem like it's this simple, like the caveman. It's so easy, a caveman can do it. It really is that simple. Fear puts you in the cave. Faith will pull you out. But pastor, why can't I just stay here? Because what started out as a hiding place has now become your prison. You see, it's in the dark cave where offenses and Pastor spoke about this this morning. We can't be offended. We're going somewhere, and, and God is going to move this church in a mighty, mighty way. But offense likes to hide in the cave. A bad attitude likes to hide in the cave right there with you. Critical spirits like to hide in the cave right there with you. Instead of bringing it to light, it gets pushed further and further into the cave where you're at. And whether you know it or not, your predator is right there with you in the cave. Remember, it's where the predator sleeps. The longer you're in the cave, the more accustomed you become to the dark. So get out of the cave and bring some light in the cave. We need it. I need it. You need it. It's time to get out of the cave. The, the devil is letting you go further and further in. There is no treasure that you so seek in this cave. He's waiting for a chance to pounce on you. So if you will now go to Joshua chapter 10. And I'm, I'm wrapping this up very quickly. Go to Joshua chapter 10. And if you're getting baptized, I need, well, we don't have any schedule. Does anybody want to get baptized? If you want to get baptized today, now would be the time that you would make your way to this side door and we will baptize you. And if it hits you later on in the altar call and you're like, I need to get baptized, today is your day. Joshua 10, verse 16. Then they got rid of the foreign, then they got rid of the foreign gods among them and served for the Lord, and he could bear Israel's ministry no longer. I am so sorry. I believe I have uh Yeah, that's not gonna be my scripture. Let me just tell you what I read. There were five kings. There were five kings that got put into a cave. And when they realized they were in that cave, he said, take the stone. Joshua said, take the stone and roll it in front of the cave. And now the cave that had an exit and the cave that had a way out that was just a trap, that was just a, a, a temporary trap, then it became a grave. The cave, if you hang out, if you hide out long enough in the cave, it can be your grave. I told you the story about the young man who went into the cave and he went further and further and further, thrill-seeking, seeking after the, the lust, seeking after the things of this world, seeking after the darkness, going further away from the light, and eventually it can become your grave. For the man or woman who feels trapped today, I want to tell you, there is hope. There is hope. Can I get a witness in this house today? Will you stand with me? Can someone stand and say, there is hope. But I'm in this cave. It's so dark. There's nobody here with me. I ran in here. 
I ran into this church building today. I, I ran in here just literally scared of what the enemy has and what's on my back. And I, I ran in here just so scared of what's coming. I don't even know what's tomorrow. And I feel like the enemy's after me. He wants to kill me. He wants to take me out. And I ran into this cave. And I don't, I don't even have a way out. Because if I go out the way I came, then i got to face my problem head on. Telling you today, it's time to turn around, look at your problem, and say, I'm sick of you, problem. Devil, I hate you. And you're hearing the voice of God today say, what is up with you? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And you're like, God, let me just first say I'm sorry to you. God, I want to say right now, I apologize. I repent. And Lord, I'm sorry because that you even have to ask me, what am I doing? You're right, God. I'm wrong. And I know I shouldn't be here. You shouldn't even have to ask me, what are you doing? What's up with you? Because I know what's up with me. And I will tell you, to the man and the woman here today that's in a cave, nobody has to say, hey, by the way, you're in a cave. Hey, by the way, you're in a cave. We don't have to come tell you. You're a big man. You're a big woman. You know this. You know God has already been working on you through this message. You're like, he's been working on my heart. He's been working on my heart. I feel convicted right now, and I know that I need to come out of the cave. Know this, that God is about to pull you from your darkness into his marvelous light. You're about to have a Lazarus experience. I want to read Romans 8 and 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. Turn with me to John chapter 11. John 11, 38. Jesus, this is after, this is, uh, Jesus realizes that Lazarus is dead. Let me tell you what a, a very important part of the Bible and a very important part to you today. For those of you who are in a cave and you feel like, I can't do this. God hates me. God hates me. I am so rotten and horrible. I know God hates me. You know what he did to Lazarus? When he found out that Lazarus was dead, if you feel like you're dead in the cave, you feel like, God will never, ever love me. Jesus wept. There's somebody here today, and, and Jesus is saying, I will shed a tear for that lost one. He will leave the 99 right now, and he's going after you. That tug that you feel, that, that lump in your throat, that little bit of conviction, you need to thank God. You need to praise God for it and say, God, I thank you that I can feel a little stirred up right now in this message. God, I thank you that I can feel a little stirred up right now and I actually do feel bad for my sin. And he's saying, I want you to feel bad. I want you to know that I can bring you out of that and pull you out of that cave and I am here. I will weep over you. I will cry over you and I will bring you out. Jesus heard they had thrown him, thrown him out and when he had found him, he said, do you believe? I'm so sorry, y'all. My, my page blew over. Why, why, devil, do you fight me so hard sometimes to try to stop the voice of God? Chapter 11, verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the, mount, to, to the tomb. 
It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Don't raise your hand, but somebody here right now, you've got about four days worth of stink on you. And you're like, I am so ready to take a spiritual shower. You might need a spiritual bath back here in a second. You need Somebody needs to get their sins washed away. Washed away. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So then they took, him, they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Some of y'all need to give your heart to God. Some of y'all need to turn your, your eyes on Jesus and turn everything around for yourself. And it can be for the benefit of somebody else. It can be for the benefit of your children that are downstairs. They need to have a daddy. There needs to be a daddy that is on fire for God. There needs to be a mama that is on fire for God. That they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with the strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Final point, final point. It's a very, very important point for those that are on the fence. I'm like, uh, maybe I will, maybe I won't, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Probably not going to this Sunday, Pastor, because I don't like being in front of people. I don't want to come to an altar. Plus, there's this. I really do, I don't really feel worthy. I really don't. Because I'm a professional sinner, and I know how to party hardy. And, and, and Plus, there's a lot of private things that people don't know. I have a good front up, and everybody thinks that I live for God. I love God. I am Mr. Christian. I am Brother Christian, I, Sister Christian, and uh, that's, a, that's a song. And I'm, oh, get off of that. Get off of that, Sister Christian, whatever. Showing my age. But, Deborah, <laughs> there's people in the crowd that are like, I feel you. <laughs> listen, I don't listen to 89.5 all the time. But I am careful what I put in my gates. In my gates. Be careful what goes in these gates. So the final point being this. Lazarus didn't walk out of the tomb with the grave clothes off of him. He, it didn't matter. He said, I'm coming out of this cave. It don't matter if I stink. It don't matter what I'm looking like, it don't matter that I don't have the Armani suit on. I've got the wrapped up suit. I've got, he's got grave clothes on. He doesn't look right. He don't smell right. And I'm telling somebody here today, he don't care what you look like. It doesn't matter what you smell like. And you cannot sit around in the grave and be in the grave, lay down in the grave and say, Jesus, I know you're calling me out of this grave. And I'm alive. I actually have a little life in me. And I actually can hear a voice. I've been dead for four days. Whatever that feels like. Maybe it feels like anesthesia. You took a little cat nap. You're like, whoa, wait wait a second. What? Hey, hey, I'm wrapped up. Hey, whoa. I stink really bad. Not because I've been laying still and sweating for four days. I literally died. I'm dead for four days. 
And Lazarus didn't have that moment. What's up? And, and that's what God's saying to him, saying, what's up with you? I'm calling you out of this grave. Why are you there in this grave? Why are you there in this cave? And he said, baby, I'm coming out. I stink. I don't like these clothes I'm wearing. And I'm coming out. I'm coming out. And he came out of that, that cave. And he didn't worry about what he looked like. He didn't worry about what he Do you think for one second that Lazarus, do you think that Lazarus for one second said, Oh, my God. Oh, heaven. Hell. Oh, Jesus. Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. Please, God. Oh, I, there is no way I can show my face. I can't go out there in front of those people. I stink really bad. I mean, I, this is bad. This, ain't, this is four days of death. Oh, God, thank, thank you, Jesus, for raising me from the dead. I really appreciate you. You know, me and you, I got you, Jesus. And you love me so much that you actually wept over me. But, Lord, I can't come out of this cave. I didn't plan this, but somebody needs to hear this today. This, that was me. That was me. Thank you, Lord, that you, you've, you've, you've got me partially awake. And I feel like you're raising me up. But I'm not really quite ready to step out of this cave for real. I really don't want to step out of this cave because I actually kind of have grown accustomed to the darkness. I have actually kind of grown accustomed to the things of this world. But that's not the case with Lazarus, and it does not need to be the case with you today. It does not need to be the case with me or anyone else here today. And we vow, I want someone to vow with me today as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Let's pray this right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will open up the eyes of the man or woman or young adult that is here this morning. Lord, let them see. Let them see and visualize what is in front of them outside the mouth of the cave, the mouth that swallowed them in, that took them in, that swallowed them in, that wanted to put them away for life and let that cave, it was a trap, but then it became what was going to be their grave. But Lord, we will not be in the grave. We will not go down. We will not die in this moment. We will not die in this situation. But Father, in the name of Jesus, we proclaim life. We proclaim a forward movement and a forward momentum that starts today and it will go and it will continue and continue and continue so father in the name of Jesus for those that feel like they're in the cave that those that feel like they are lost they are without hope you are calling them to life you are going to resurrect the dead you are going to make them the head and not the tail they will be blessed and highly favored they will be a disciple and it does not matter what they look like right now the one that stinks is going to be a disciple the one that smells funny is going to be a witness for Christ in Jesus name in Jesus name everybody say amen I tell new members this all the time. And before they become a member, I say, you are going to be a disciple. Oh, no, I can't. I can't. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. No more excuses. No more excuses. Jump out of this cave. It's time to move out.
They're going to sing a song, and I know they've got a song. Have we got somebody getting baptized? Well, praise God. We didn't schedule it, but I'm going to tell you what. You can't schedule revival. You can put something on the calendar, but then God moves in and says, you know what, I'm going to kind of do my own thing right here. If you will let God move, he is ready to move in your life. And we got two getting baptized, and they're going to go ahead and get that ready here in just a second. But don't be surprised if somebody else says, I need to get baptized. I heard your message, and I'm in this cave, and I'm ready to get out of this cave. I'm sick of my stink. I'm sick of stinking. I'm sick of where I'm at, and I don't, I'm coming out. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what I smell like. And I want to tell you another thing. God wants to use you immediately immediately you can't have a church that goes from about 150 or 175 to about 400 in a span of just a little bit of while and not need some help we need some help we need you to get on board in Jesus name who's getting baptized Malcolm let's do this let's do this Malcolm, upon the confession of your faith and the obedience to the word of God, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of Jesus. Jesus. Every step you take, you're moving forward. Every step you take, the altars are open. The Say 